This is the podcast for Woodland Presbyterian Church in Memphis, Tennessee. We are maturing God's people to serve a hurting world. We hope you enjoy the message, and if you'd like to learn more about our church, look us up at woodlandpres.org. Thanks so much. May the Lord bless you. I want to talk to you about being made for relationship. And uh, this, is, this is something I was telling my wife that I hope I really, um, over the years, I've been thinking about literally for about 20 years. What does it mean to be made in the image of God? And I don't think I understand it yet. I might understand some of the ideas, but when I mean understand it, I mean live it, to live this out in real time, in relationship with my family, with my friends, with God, and with myself. That's something I don't think many of us, or certainly I don't, I don't think many of us really understand that God made us for relationship with him, others, and ourselves. And, and I'm going to try to explain that as we move forward. You know that God exists in a trinity, right? The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And when, um, when he created Adam and Eve, he created another Trinitarian relationship. That is, he created Adam, and then there was God and Adam. And as you just saw in the text, um, he, the only thing he said about creation that was not good was that it was not good for man to be alone, right? And so he created Eve, which establishes another Trinitarian relationship. So then you have God, and you have Adam, and then you have Eve. So there's a, another trinity. I don't have a whiteboard, but there's another trinity, right? Which is ideal relationship style. You know, the scriptures have allude to, you know, a, a, Two stand together is good, but a three-chord strand is not easily broken. I believe that's Ecclesiastes. So it's good to have three in relationship with each other. And I don't mean three people, but you, I believe, God, and not just your spouse, but you, God, and others. We need community. We hear that word all the time. When I was young, some of you might be about my age, um, It was called koinonia, we use that word, right? Or just fellowship. Today, the popular word is community. Um, It's okay, we can change the word. Next generation, we'll call it something else. Mm. Sorry, I forgot to start with. I taught college for 20 years, and you think I wouldn't get nervous in front of crowds, but even teaching 20 years, I still got nervous the first day of class. And I don't have a second day of class here. Okay? This is all I get is the first day. I'm not going to see you again. Well, maybe. In heaven. I'm pretty sure you're not going to invite me back. Um, sorry, that's a joke. <laughs> Laugh with me. <laughs> anyway, so um, where was I? Trinity? Community, yeah. So they changed the words. So next generation comes along, and they'll call it something else. And folks, you're, you know, if you're in the, a, a little older generation, you're going to say, just, just go with it. It doesn't matter what they call it. It's the same thing God created in the garden. It's relationship. It's community. It's koinonia. It's fellowship. It's together. It's connection. It's that I can't live without you. You can't live without me. And we can't live without God. And they have to be in the right relationship, the right standing. And this whole text we just looked at said the very problem with humanity is 
It's broken. Let's move forward. So what happened in the first few verses? God created mankind in his image. And I'll just say this, because this is a whole sermon series in itself. God made male and female to represent him, right? A man does not represent God. A man, maleness and femaleness represent God. He had to create maleness and femaleness to represent him. Otherwise, God is not represented on earth. It takes both. But I'm not going to open that can right now. What I am going to say is he said, be fruitful and multiply. Multiply what? He had already said this, or he is going to say it later if he hadn't said it yet. I just, sorry, he don't remember. To the cows, be fruitful and multiply. He said it to the sheep. He said it to the birds. He said it to the fish. Be fruitful. And, what are they supposed to multiply? What do cows make? Sheep? Goats? Fish? Of course not. Cows make cows, right? Fish make fish. And in fact, fish make the fish that they are, right? Sharks don't make brim. They don't reproduce. They don't make... Dolphins, brim make brim, right? Crappie make crappie. That's the way it works. It's DNA. So what do humans make? Go ahead. Humans. Okay, now we, now we have to ask the question, what's a human? We've already seen it. It's right here. An image bearer. A, a human is someone who is made in the image of God. So he says, be fruitful and multiply. Make more people, more humans. And that means like me. Make little me's. <laughs> Sorry, I know that somebody's referencing right now uh, some movie that whose actor I can't remember. Many, many me. Uh, but don't you don't have to go there. Stay right here. Stay here. Make people like me. Make images of me and fill the earth with them. Fill the earth with me. And what are they? Where, how, where do they live in relationship to God? What are humans in relationship to God. Well, hang on to that in just a minute. Now, it doesn't mean, let's say this first, it doesn't just mean babies, does it? I mean, yeah, it does. I mean, you've got to make babies first. I think we've done a pretty good job of that. We're still making babies, a lot of babies being born. And, and by the way, can I just comment on Roe v. Wade? Dang, that's a day in history. You should not forget that. The ter turn overturning of Roe v. Wade on, put that on your calendar. June 24th, 2022, should never be forgotten. That's a huge change in culture and standing. Okay, now move on. Uh, chapter two, what we see though is that God, in verses 18 through 20 something, Five, we see God um, saying what I said before, it's not good for man to be alone, right? So if it's not good for man to be alone, what time do I have to stop? I know I got 30 minutes, but I forgot to look at what I started. Oh, I got to 11.30? Shoot. Slow down, Tim Bob. You're good. If you, if you have to leave, go ahead, but I'm being here until 11.30. I'm going to be here until What we see in Genesis 2, 18 through 25, is God says it's not good for man to be alone. I already pointed that out. 
But what's going to happen here is God makes Adam recognize his loneliness. You see, God brings all the animals before Adam. It's not just about naming the animals, although I think that's important. What he does is he brings the animals to Adam and says, makes him realize there's none like me. The cow, that's not going to work. The sheep, the monkey, the elephant, the giraffe, the camel. They're nice, but none of them are like me. See? None of them. They all have partners. I don't have a partner. Adam is lonely. Now, if you've read Paradise Lost, if you remember that from college sometime way back, way back then, you will probably remember that John Milton, it is Milton, right? There's lots of Johns, John F. Edwards, John Milton, John Newton. I think it's John Milton. Okay, thank you. John Milton points out, or he describes a kind of a tongue-in-cheek conversation between God and Adam, where Adam kind of complains. He complains, like, I don't have one. There's no one like me in creation. And God says, well, what's wrong? Aren't I enough? I got, you got me. But Adam complains and says, yeah, but, but you're, not, you're not like me. You're not one of me. Now, you see the foreshadowing? You tracking with me? I need someone who's like me, who's one of me. And through this debate, this discussion, then in Paradise Lost, it's not the Bible, but in Paradise Lost, Adam wins the day and God says, okay, okay, then I'll make someone like you. And so he makes an Eve. And then he, when he looks at Eve, he says, now that is one of me. She corresponds to me. Now remember in this, I want to say pyramid, it's a Trinitarian relationship, God me and others, now there's someone who I can relate to in a different way. And then God, but that puts God still where he belongs. And where does God belong? He's up there. And I can be in relationship to him. It doesn't mean he doesn't love me, doesn't care for me. We're not in uh, fellowship and communion and community, but he still is where he belongs. Right? He's supreme. He's, he's God. And I'm me. In fact, Romans chapter 9, uh, you guys are Presbyterians, aren't you? Okay, so you know what Romans chapter 9 is about, right? God can make one piece of clay into a, a spittoon and make another piece of clay into something honorable, and you're just fine with that, right? It's okay with me, because I'm one of the, I'm something honorable, sorry, no offense, I was just teasing with you. But see, I used to think I knew. When I read that chapter, I used to think, oh, I know what that means. Some are going to hell, some are going to heaven, I'm going to heaven, that's fine. And then I spent some time there, I actually grew up, and I know you guys don't feel the way, sorry. That's why you're not going to invite me back, see. I, I say stupid things. Anyway, I used to think I understood that, and I used to think that's what Presbyterians believed, I know you don't. So, uh, I think I used to understand that, and now I realize, I don't know, I have no idea what that means. I have no idea. God can elect this one and not that one? I don't know. That seems harsh to me. What I do know is that God can do whatever he wants and that God loves people. 
and he holds people accountable, and he is a God of compassion, and that and that. I tell you what I also do know from that passage is that he's the potter, and we're clay, which means I don't have the right to question the potter. I can ask him, but if he doesn't answer, I just have to, like Job, oh, sorry, I put my hand over my mouth. That's all I can do. I put my hand over my mouth because he's the one who decides. That means he's the exalted one, and I'm clay. I know that. And that, in that proper state, is where Adam and Eve were by chapter 2, by the end of chapter 2. They were both naked, and they were not ashamed. See the beauty? You can be in right relationship with God, right relationship with each other, and not be ashamed. I want to tell you something about this word, ashamed. It's a military term that was used of uh, a, a, a commander, maybe a general of an army that would have, would have been maybe captured, could have been captured by, um, captured, and then um, put on display in front of his, um, in front of his enemy. But what they do, they strip him naked and then uh, like run him through uh, a gauntlet. That's ashamed. That kind of shame. Not just being naked, but being naked and exploited. And exploitation, we all know, means you're going to use me against me. When you see me, whether it's my nakedness or my embarrassment, my shame, my weakness, my frailty, you're going to use that against me. Therefore, what do we do today? We, we cover up our frailties and our weaknesses. It's one of the reasons that we wear clothes. But it's not really about clothes. It's about hiding. It's about when we see each other in public and they say, how are you doing? We're fine. We're just fine. So we smile and say, I have a friend who says, better not deserve. Right? Ever hear that? Better not deserve. Well, that tells me a lot. That's true of all of us. So, so what's really going on? Right? So in relationship, where are we? We hide. We hide, and that's what happens in chapter 3. Right? We started hiding ever since the Garden of Eden. Why did we hide? This is the pivotal question. This is the pivotal question. Chapter 3. So the woman sees that the fruit is desirable for the eyes. Um, it's good for food. Desirable for making one wise. Um, it's not in this text, but what did the serpent say about this fruit? That it would make her and Adam... If she ate it, she would be what? Like God. So imagine this. Here they are, Adam and Eve, living their lives out in relationship with themselves and God. And God comes down in the cool of the day, maybe every day, and walks with them, hangs out with them. They enjoy him, he enjoys them. They know who he is. Adam has already experienced that he is other, right? He's not one of them. He's loving. He's benevolent. Everything about it is good, but he's other. 
Now, the serpent, Satan says, you want to be one of those? How'd you like to be one of those? You don't have to stay down here and just be a servant, or excuse me, sub, subservient, some, like sub-level? How about, don't you want to be like one of those? Power, wisdom. Maybe you could be floating up there and then coming back down to these little earthlings. And Eve goes, huh? <laughs> that sounds pretty good. Maybe I'd like to be one of those. The temptation was strong. So the, now, right now, then the Trinity, Eve starts, that's not nervousness, that's nerve damage. Sorry. <laughs> okay. Oh, so Eve sits over here and goes, I want to go up the ladder. I want to climb up there and be like God, which would completely devastate the Trinitarian relationship. It becomes completely different. You tracking with me? And so now it changes our understanding of the gospel even when we get down to the New Testament because the gospel isn't all just about uh, sin and not sinning and Jesus just paying for sin so we become good people. It's about restoring relationship. It's about saying, where are you? <laughs> and that's it's the first question in the Bible. Where are you in relationship to me? A friend of mine says, that's not a geographical question. He doesn't need a GPS. He knows where Adam is. Right? He's saying, where are you in relationship to me? Because the, it's broken. You're not there anymore. It's gone. Yes, sin is important. Sin has to be paid for. We know that. That's the cross. That's what Jesus is about. That's and resurrection. But the primary restoration is to get back in relationship. It's back in relationship. It's to put us back where we all belong in relationship to God. And it's, and it's a tremendous amount of humbling, but it also is not about um, becoming toxically shamed because we can't get our lives in order where we struggle. Anybody do that? Like, you wonder if you're even a Christian because you have this, these sins that you can't get over, but you keep going back to God and you're saying, I'm so sorry. I'm trying. I'm trying. I'm trying to get it right. What he wants you to do is just be with him. Be with him. When they hid, when they hid, they didn't just hide, and this is one of the main, main um, factors that helps make this relationship work. They hid from God, right? We know that, because Adam says so. They also hid from each other. Eve couldn't see Adam. I mean, she could see him, but they couldn't see each other's nakedness. And by the way, I'm not from the South, but I did learn there's a difference between naked and naked. Is that right? I mean, you take a shower, you're naked. naked. But you're in the backseat of a car, you're naked. Right? A very different thing. Sorry. Uh, but they were naked, but they weren't naked anymore. They were covering themselves up, so Adam couldn't see Eve's nakedness. In other words, she covered up so that he would not use her nakedness against him, against her. 
right? But it wasn't just, again, about nakedness. It was about, don't use my flaws against me. Don't, don't use my weaknesses against me. And if I don't show them to you, you can't use them against me. If I'm stupid, don't use my stupidness against me. If I'm not funny, don't use my not funniness against me. If I'm not intelligent, if I'm not wealthy, if I'm not whatever, tall, if I'm not short, if I'm not skinny enough, don't use my skinny fatness against me, whatever it is. Don't use that against me. And, I, and the only way to keep it from being used against me is to cover it up. So they all did, they did it with each other from the very beginning, and we've been doing it ever since. But then they, they covered themselves up so they couldn't see themselves. We call that denial. They couldn't even see their own nakedness, which means I don't see my flaws. And now you can imagine what it's like to be in a relationship, right? 42 years almost. If I don't see my flaws and my wife wants to point them out, which she never does, but if she wanted to, laugh with me. Okay. Okay. Well, she might once in a while, but I don't remember a time when she did. But if she wanted to relationally, how could I ever hear them? If anybody in relationship with me wanted to confront me, but I don't, I'm not willing, if I'm not humble, if I won't see them, how could I ever grow or change? You're tracking with me? I have to be able to be willing to see myself, uh, in a sense, take off the fig leaves. That, those are the types of things we do to, get, to do the best that we can to get back in right relationship with God, ourselves, and others. Take off the fig leaves. They did not want to admit their clayness. We don't want to admit our clayness. We've been hiding ever since. And we are still tempted to be like God. Another thing we want to do is control everything in our worlds. We want to control situations that we're in. We want to control relationships. We want to control COVID. Right? We want to control everything that other people do. We want to make sure everybody else is happy. Any people pleasers in the room? Make sure everybody's happy. Right? Someone gets upset. Oh, no, no. No, no, don't be mad. Don't be mad at me. Well, if I say that, then so-and-so will be mad. We don't, we, no, what, be responsible for other people's feelings. So I want, I want to just look at a couple passages. Um, I'm actually not going to read these passages because you're familiar with them. They're in your text. I mean, they're in your bulletin. Um, we'll just spend a few minutes looking at Jesus. In John chapter 4, you remember the passage of Jesus and his disciples and the woman at the well? Y'all remember this? Jesus, I just want to point out to you, most people um, point out, rightly so, the ministry of Jesus with the Samaritan woman from Sychar. Jesus, though, uh, I just want to point out that Jesus sat down at the well, sent his disciples into Sychar. It says because he was tired. Jesus got tired. Do you ever hear, um, like, any um, people suggest that you burn yourself out for Jesus? Just give it all, leave it all on the field, you know? There's no time to rest. We got to do everything that we can. Well, Jesus rested when he was tired. I want to encourage you that it's okay 
to recognize your humanity. Jesus was not only deity, fully deity, but he was also fully human. And when he got tired, he sat down, took rest. Also, Jesus got thirsty. I have read that passage, I don't know, for how many years before I realized, you know, I bet he did get that drink of water. Because it doesn't say whether he got a drink of water. He just asked for a drink of water. And um, I'm being, being a Bible literist, lit, liter, literalist, I think that's right. Uh, I just thought, well, it doesn't say he got the drink, so he probably didn't get the drink. Well, you know, you can read between the lines a little bit. And she probably did give him a drink of water, or he got one somehow. If he was thirsty, he drank water. When he was thirsty, he got a drink of water. If you're thirsty, have a drink. So I'm going to do that right now. If Jesus can be tired, if he can be thirsty, he's, in other words, just track with me. I'm just saying, if you're, he took off the fig leaves, he didn't say, well, I'm, no, no, uh, I'm fine. You ever do that? Like, I'm fine. I don't need to rest. You want, want, want some water? No, no, I'm fine. I don't, I don't need any water. I'm fine. Right? Sometimes we don't want to show our weakness. Don't demonstrate our weakness. Don't demonstrate our humanness. Another one is beautiful. In the Garden of Gethsemane, where Jesus goes into the garden after uh, the Last Supper, they sang a hymn. He went out into the garden, now with 11 disciples, uh, and uh, they stopped at a certain point, and then he um, took his three best friends, Peter, James, and John, and he says they went a little bit farther, and then they stopped, and he went a little bit farther. Remember that? And he, uh, but according to the text, uh, some brilliant people, smarter than me, they said that he, those three were within earshot of him praying. Uh, what I want to point out is he needed three friends, his best friends, to be with him while he prayed. And it says he wept, as it were, great drops of blood in one text. He wanted someone to be with him in his loneliness, in his fear, sadness, even though they couldn't do anything about it. He knows full well they cannot rescue him from that situation. Just pray with me. Just be with me. And of course, they couldn't. They fell asleep. You know the story. But Jesus is in his emotional state. He needed someone to be with him. And he's not afraid to say that. And my other favorite one here is Matthew 27, 46. Where Jesus says, you know this, uh, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Now, have you ever been in a scenario where you're afraid to say something to one person because of what you think a third person will say, think, if you say that? Like, I can't say that because if she hears me say that, then she'll get her feelings hurt. And she, like, but he, he's not worried about what the Holy Spirit's going to say, think. Like, you know... The Father's been so nice to me all this time. What will the Holy Spirit think if I complain? Right? That never crosses his mind. Why? Because in their trinity, it's absolute nakedness and not ashamed. I know that sounds blasphemous to think of God being naked, but you know what I mean. Like, they can just be with each other. I'm not afraid of that. I can just be with my Father. I can be with the Holy Spirit. I can be with me, be me. And it's okay. It's all going to be okay because we're with each other. I just wanted to point that out. So 
Being human is okay. In fact, being human is where you're going to live eternity. You're going to be human forever. It's how we were made. It's what we were made for, to be human. Let's pray. Thank you for listening to this message from Woodland Presbyterian Church, maturing God's people to serve a hurting world. Again, if you'd like to learn more about our congregation, please visit us at woodlandpres.org. Thank you very much, and God bless you today.